Welcome to my mommy's podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Air Doctor. Did you know that the air inside our homes can be up to 500 times as dirty as the air outside? It can be filled with harmful VOCs, allergens, bacteria, and more. I've been looking for an air filter that filters out all of these substances and is quiet and that doesn't break the bank for a long time. And the Air Doctor filter meets all my criteria. It removes almost 100% of particles from the air, including VOCs, those are things released from candles, paint, building materials, carpeting, cleaning products, hairspray, air fresheners, and more. Filters out pollen and other allergens, pet dander and animal hair, mold spores and dust mites, cigarette and cigar smoke, and viruses, germs, and bacteria. One of my favorite things about it is what they call auto mode, where the fan speed basically adjusts to the appropriate level based on the current air condition in the home. It's been really fascinating to see in our house, for instance, the filter speed up when we've cooked food at high heat or use cleaners that someone gave us that we thought were natural, but they made the air the filter speed up. So I know air filters can be pricey, which is why I teamed up with Air Doctor to get a massive discount for listeners. You can get 50% off right now by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash go, that's G-O, forward slash air doctor, air dash doctor. So one more time, that's wellnessmama.com forward slash G-O forward slash A-I-R dash D-O-C-T-O-R to get the discount. You can also find that link in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm. This podcast is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. My kitchen is always stocked with their coffee mushroom blends, their matcha mix, and their straight mushroom drinks. Four Sigmatic has figured out how to get the benefits of mushrooms like chaga, lion's mane, cordyceps, and reishi into delicious instant drinks. My current favorite is their their adaptogen coffee blend that has Tulsi and Astragalus, but I love all of their products. They have options with or without caffeine, so if you're not a caffeine person, you can find products that you'll love. Um, And I find that even their coffee blends that do contain caffeine have less than a normal cup of coffee, but don't let this fool you. I have found I get so much more focus and mental clarity from these mushroom blends than I do from regular coffee and without the jitters. The addition of the mushrooms, which are considered nootropics, meaning that they are good for the brain, makes these superfood blends more effective and much healthier than just regular old coffee. I love them with a dash of macadamia milk personally. I also love that many of their drink mixes are instant and packaged into individual servings, so they're perfect for travel or on the go. If you're listening to this, then you can get a special offer just for listeners of this podcast by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash f-o-u-r dash s-i-g-m-a-t-i-c. That's wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash four dash sigmatic. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Moms Podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and today's episode is going to be super helpful for any women listening, especially anyone struggling with any kind of hormone imbalance because I am here with Magdalena Shalaki, I hope I pronounced it right, who is the author of, um, she's the author of Cooking for Hormone Balance, the founder of Hormones Balance, a nutrition coaching practice dedicated to helping women rebalance their hormones with food and herbs. 
She's a certified nutrition coach, a speaker, and educator, and she herself has a long history of health challenges, starting with, um, like I think a lot of us, a highly stressful life. For her, it was advertising, and then going through Graves and Hashimoto's, and then adrenal fatigue and estrogen dominance. And thanks to her journey, she's now in full remission and lives a symptom-free life, and also teaches many other women how to accomplish the same. And we're going to delve into all of that today. Magdalena, welcome, and thanks for being here. Oh, Katie, I'm so excited. Thank you. Oh, I'm so excited to chat with you as well. I think, as I'm sure you would agree, hormones are such an important issue and a partially a misunderstood one. And I want to delve deep, but first I want to hear your story because I think there's so much hope and inspiration in your own journey and I think so much to learn. So take us through your own health struggles. Yeah, Katie, you know how oftentimes we like to tell a story from the day we were diagnosed with something. And in my case, it was in 2008 with Hashimoto's. So we we have that one thing in common. Um, but, you know, when I look back now at my life, it started pretty much from the time I was pregnant. My mom has always been very anxious, was a smoker. Uh, when I was born, I wasn't I was not a breastfed baby. My mom bought into the 1970s formula, you know, miracle <laughs> story. And uh, right from the beginning, really weak immune system. I mean, I was with, down with pneumonia when I was two months old in a hospital for, you know, for a month on antibiotics, right? <laughs> and, you know, and all of that manifested in so many different food sensitivities, which obviously at that point we didn't, we, my mom had no idea. And so, you know, things like eczema, I had constant ear infections. I don't remember, you know, you don't remember much when you're five years old, unless something pretty traumatic. In my case, it was regular visits to the doctor to get ear drainage done because I had so much pus in my ears all the time. Um, and like it happens with a lot of food sensitivities, they evolved over years to something different. So in my 20s, then I was walking around with a constant PMS, um, migraines that pretty much came on every day. And horrible cystic acne. I mean, I had, Katie, I had, I was covered. It wasn't just on my face, but it was also on my back, on my front, um, on my butt. I never owned an open shirt in front and the back because it's hard to cover up cystic acne when you, you know, with makeup. Um, and so, you know, in my late 20s, I was diagnosed very luckily uh, to have hyperthyroidism. Most probably was grace. Um, who knows? I, you know, I wasn't tested at that point, and I was given a beta blocker, as as the doctor would do, never addressing the root cause. I had no idea what was even causing it. Um, and of course, when you know, when you don't work with the underlying causes of autoimmunity, it comes back with a vengeance a lot of the time. And that's when, in 2008, finally the diagnosis was made. I had Hashimoto's with screaming antibodies, horrendous fatigue. I you know, started having anxiety attacks, which I had never had in my life. And, you know, and memory lapses. And when you work in a high power job in advertising, and at that time I was based in Shanghai and I had a regional job and I worked on Fortune 100 brands, you can't afford to have memory lapses and anxiety attacks and having, you know, writing stupid emails to a client because you had a, you had a bit of a moment. And, but that, you know, but that's when I think my intuition really told me that if I don't change something about my life and combined with my lifestyle, but also living in China where I had zero control over what I was putting in my body and how my clients would, you know, uh, treat us. I I knew deep in my heart that I had to change something. And I ended up resigning from my job, taking a much slower job, moving to the United States, went to nutrition school. 
And um, which really opened me up to the whole idea of how food can uh, reverse all of that. And and it did. Um, and as much as this sounds like a simple story, I will say that I am not a straightforward case. I wish that I could tell you that I got off gluten and I did a couple of detoxes and, you know, my Hashimoto's got totally reversed. Um, it helped a lot. But along the way, there was a lot more with dealing with a lot of different gut issues with SIBO, H. pylori, and episodes of candida that just couldn't be addressed no matter what I did, parasites. So it was a long journey. But, you know, I have to say, I turned the corner and I today as a 45-year-old woman, I feel better than when I was 25. Um, and just six months ago, I had a double hip replacement done. And, you know, and just three months after the surgery, I was already out here in Boulder climbing the highest mountain here that we have, the iconic mountain we have here, well, the big hikers, you know, do. And people go, you know, my doc said, you are a miracle patient. <laughs> I said to him, actually, when you really take care of yourself, your body responds and collaborates and is there to support you. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it's amazing. Here, I hear so many similarities in our story. Just, um, I joke about it, but I'm. It's very serious as well. And I say, if you want to create autoimmune disease, just be really stressed, eat terrible food, don't sleep enough, um, which is pretty much what I did all through college. And it's a great, perfect storm for autoimmune disease. And for me, it was getting pregnant that kind of threw everything into upheaval. Um, but I see so many of those same things. And like you, I had. I was sick a lot as a child and on antibiotics a ton. And some of my earliest memories were being like held down and tested for rheumatic fever and just all those things. So I think um, it's amazing how many similarities, but also how much hope I think comes from both of our stories, hopefully. Um, and I want to go deeper on the hormone side now. Um, so you mentioned in passing your own symptoms, and I think maybe it would help to start broad and then narrow. So Let's delve into some of the symptoms that are commonly associated with some kind of hormone imbalance and like what someone may want to look for. Yeah, sure. That's a really good, that's a really important question. I know you've covered the thyroid a lot, so I'm just going to quickly run through the list. Exhaustion, you know, not the kind of like, oh, I'm tired. It's a kind of tired where you just cannot get yourself out of bed, right? Needing two cups of coffee to get you going. Putting on weight in unexpectedly for no particular reason, even though you're eating the same food and your exercise regime is the same. Uh, getting depressed, losing hair, feeling cold, right? Infertility and miscarriages are some of the very common thyroid symptoms. You know, let's talk about another one, which I feel like a lot of women are dealing with and um, completely are unaware of that. And that's estrogen dominance. Also, you know, known as low progesterone. It can be also um, include low progesterone. So you have things like obviously infertility, uh, miscarriage, especially in the first trimester. But also, you know, things like terrible PMSs, which as women, we have grown to be so accustomed to. And I have to tell you that when you really rebalance your estrogen progesterone and, and how the estrogens get broken down, your PMS symptoms are going to get significantly reduced. In fact, when, you know, when I have a good uh, month with a PMS, it's like the period comes and goes and I know it's there, but I can still function, um, you know, without having to take any painkillers or um, hide myself in my room for two days, right? But also, interestingly, things like cellulite have, you know, lumps on the breasts, which it drives me crazy how, you know, we go and see a doc and we are told that everything is fine. Just observe your lumps, uh, you know, as, as if they were going to vanish uh, miraculously. Uh, but also, you know, like lumps on um, uh, thyroid nodules, oftentimes um, fueled by estrogen. More serious stuff like fibroids, endometriosis, 
estrogen receptor positive breast cancers, which are majority of breast cancers in um, the country, is also fueled by estrogen. Um, you know, so those are some of the things that cellulite, I mean, if you just talk about you know, something that drives so many women crazy, right, is having cellulite and the typical pear shaped um, lady, you know, who's got um, that butt and thighs, uh, fat that just wouldn't go away. That's oftentimes because of estrogen dominance. So, so that's, um, that's a big one. And um, when you're low on progesterone, you can add on to this list of symptoms. Also things like feeling anxious, having real problems, falling asleep, something that a lot of women postpartum, right, will be suffering from progesterone doesn't come back up. Um, and, um, and we experience those. You know, then you're talking about another common hormonal imbalances, such as uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, right? So you where where we have is high testosterone or a lot a lot of time issues with sugar metabolic stuff like insulin resistance or uh, hypoglycemia or hyperglycemia will be in this category. So, you know, symptoms would include things like, of course, having a cyst on the ovaries. But interestingly, a lot of women don't realize that having facial hair, which is such a you know, such a pain for so many women, right? And we do all these different cosmetic interventions to get rid of the hair on the mouth, where, you know, it's actually is too high, too much of a testosterone in a woman. As women, we need testosterone, but the, the issue here is balance. And when you have too much testosterone, then that's when we start having facial hair, <clears throat> hair appear, appearing on the chin, but also on our nipples. Some women even have it on their arms and back. Uh, really, really annoying. So, you know, so in a nutshell, those are the some of the oh, well, hair loss. Let me not forget about like when you have frontal hair loss going on. That's oftentimes also due to high testosterone. That makes perfect sense, and I think um, that was a really great analysis. But I think when you like start delving into it, I know for me when I was first trying to research hormone imbalance and my own thyroid problem, um, it seems super overwhelming, and it seems like it's going to be a very complex, super sciencey probably pharmaceutical approach. And that's what I love about your work and your book is that you bring it back to the food and you make it really simple. And so I'd love to jump into, you talk about certain what you call power foods that can help bring those hormones back into balance. And I love my backgrounds in nutrition as well, but I love starting with food because we all have to eat anyway. So you can just make room in your diet for those foods that are going to help you in a certain way. So talk about some of what you call the power foods. Yeah, so you know the power foods are um, so the whole whole book was actually my whole process, my whole creative process of creating the book was identifying twenty superfoods and then twenty super uh, power herbs, spices, and uh, medicinal mushrooms that have been proven to improve something about a woman's body that will directly or indirectly impact our hormones. And only then I developed all the recipes. So it wasn't like you know I had a whole bunch of recipes going like oh let's just dump it in a book. It was all recipes developed based on these 40 foods. So, you know, one of my absolute favorite goats go-tos are like the cruciferous vegetables, right? So that will be things like our cauliflower and broccoli and broccoli sprouts and um, uh, mizuna or arugula, which is my personal favorite. Uh, kale, of course, <clears throat> Brussels sprouts. And what's amazing about these uh, these foods is that the cruciferous vegetables uh, that you can probably notice that all of them are from the cabbage families and needless to say cabbage is also part of in, in this family and they are known the brassica family of of veggies which contain a very powerful substance called dim some of our listeners might be taking that as a, in a form of a supplement right since for methane 
And what's beautiful about it is that DIM not only helps to um, bind estrogen in and then evacuate it from our bodies, but it also supports our liver detoxification pathways. And, you know, when you talk about estrogen dominance, one of the key organs that's responsible for clearing a lot of the estrogens is the liver. Um, so I know we didn't talk much about like what causes estrogen dominance and does it, how does it happen, but let me just do a quick, uh, like a note here so that our listeners can uh, have a context. Uh, what's the big deal about a liver? Like why detoxify us from estrogen? Estrogen, you know, let's not demonize estrogen in the first place, right? So when I talk about estrogen dominance, it doesn't mean you have too much estrogen. It's the, the issue is you have too much of certain type of estrogen and the way you break down these estrogens into what we call metabolites, that's what's being harmful, harming you. So for example, you know, one of the estrogens, the way it's broken down, the antagonistic or the harmful, the carcinogenic, if you will, um, metabolite of estrogen is what, for example, fuels the growth of, um, you know, lumps on your boobs or the nodules on your thyroid. So the amazing thing about the body is that the, the liver is what breaks down you know, we know that it breaks down like coffee and alcohol. And, you know, some people are aware that maybe yeast and bacteria and viruses get broken down and cleared out in the liver. But not many of us realize that the liver is the major detoxification organ for our hormones as well. And so, you know, going back to just looping back to the cruciferous vegetables, just having three to four servings or like three to four cups a day, um, if you have a thyroid problem, then, you know, just cook them lightly, just steaming it for three to four minutes. It's perfectly fine. It's going to it's going to be, you know, totally safe for the thyroid will do you so much good um, and just helping our estrogen so, so much. Uh, maybe one more food I want to mention that is huge is sulforaphane uh, found in broccoli sprouts. You know, and this is I want to just give you an example here of a food that can be put on the same pedestal with some of the most effective but yet harmful drugs that are used, for example, for breast cancers. Um, tamoxifen is a is a drug that's an that's an estrogen blocker that's given to women who are who have breast cancers, and um, you know as the name implies, estrogen blocker so it blocks the estrogen from coming into the cells and doing all that havoc. <laughs> the amazing thing is that. Just a cup of broccoli sprouts contains the same amount of sulforaphane as tamoxifen. But needless to say, you know, broccoli sprouts are completely harmless. They're not going to do anything uh, harmful to you, only good stuff. And um, and just, you know, tamoxifen, for example, you, you can only be on it for five to seven years because it's so harmful for the liver. Where here you have a cup of broccoli sprouts that you can add to your smoothie, soup, salads every day. And that has some such a potent effect on, you know, uh, fibrocystic breast. It's not only breast cancers. I'm, I'm just being extreme here as an example. But sulforaphane helps with anything that um, is, grows because of estrogen dominance. So all the fibroids and, you know, endometriosis, um, thyroid nodules, all of that can be shrunk just by using a cup. And if you're doing it as a preventative measure, then using a quarter of a cup of these lovely broccoli sprouts, which, by the way, you can grow yourself at home. It doesn't have to be purchased in a supermarket. can be so incredibly medicinal. I 100% agree. In fact, this is something I've done actually for years, and I only wrote about it recently because it was one of those things that I just have always done and forgot that everybody else probably doesn't do. Um, but like you said, the research 
is amazing on sulforaphane. And one, that was one of the first things my doctor, when I finally found a good doctor, it took me eight of them to find a great doctor who understood Hashimoto's. Um, he immediately was able to diagnose like you, pretty severe Hashimoto's. And one of the first things he told me was eat broccoli sprouts every day. And I did the research to figure out why. And it's drastic. Like some of the studies are showing a 40% reduction in all cancers, like all the major cancers just from eating broccoli sprouts. And um, one other trick that I found, because there's sulforaphane and then there's, I think it's called sulforaphane nitrile, which um, potentially makes it a little harder to absorb sulforaphane. So Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who I joke that I have a brain crush on, she's so brilliant. Um, she recommends heating the, like, so putting the broccoli sprouts in warm water that's about 157 degrees. You don't want to get above that because you'll kill the sulforaphane. But under that, you kill the sulforaphane nitrile, but not the sulforaphane. So you actually make it about three and a half times more bioavailable. So especially maybe someone who's trying to do it therapeutically versus those of us just trying to consume it daily um, for preventative measures. Um, that can be a little trick to help increase the bioavailability, but I 100% agree. It's super cheap to grow them at home. They're actually delicious and they're better than medication. Absolutely. It just takes five days. And if you have kids at home, it's just the kids see the seeds grow, you know, first um, start germinating and then sprouting and then growing to like two, three inches, two inches is what you want, right? I mean, it's just like a biology class in a kitchen. <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. And I know you've talked about other seeds as well. So can you take us through um, some of the others? And I want to make sure I'll mention it again at the end. Um, but we have a URL from you, special URL for listeners, which is wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash seed guide that has a lot more in depth of this and a whole like the whole system for helping balance hormones. But take us through some of the other seeds um, and how they impact that estrogen progesterone ratio. Because I think that was another excellent point that you made. Estrogen in and of itself is not bad and either is testosterone or progesterone, but it's all about having the right amounts at the right time. So talk about how you use seeds to do that. Absolutely. So the rock star of the um, of the seed rotation is flax seeds, um, and here I'm talking about like golden's flax seed uh, that is whole seed, not the pre-ground stuff. Now, what's amazing about flax seed is that number one, it contains you know uh, lignans. Uh, which are phytoestrogens, so natural occurring estrogens. And, you know, just want to emphasize this one more time, there's no need to be scared of estrogens. We need them. Well, what's beautiful about flaxseed is that we know today that um, how the, the estrogen metabolites gets broken down, flaxseed helps us to stir them in a positive direction and not away from the bad, from the bad guys. And, you know, Katie, a few years ago when I was diagnosed with estrogen dominance, I, I really had no idea what it was at that point. And all I did at, at that time was just doing a couple of tablespoons of flaxseed, freshly ground flaxseed, and retested. And just within two months, uh, my estrogen dominance markers on those broken down um, metabolites have completely shifted towards the protective ones. So it was like a little experiment I did. I thought, I'm not going to do anything else, just that, and see what happens. And it really works. Um, and then, you know, fast forward, having worked with, I mean, it was probably, I don't know, a thousand women have gone through the seed rotation method. And it, this thing really works. So the idea is that in the first part of your cycle, so from day one of your period, uh, that's that's considered day one in, in the in the guide, um, you the first two weeks you basically want to work on the first part of your cycle, uh, which is called a, a follicular phase, you want to work on boosting up your estrogen levels. And you can do that by incorporating two tablespoons um, of a combination of ground flaxseed and pumpkin seeds. 
Um, and that's going to help with estrogen production. And then around your ovulation or somewhere around half of your cycle, then you switch over to progesterone boosting seeds. And these would be sunflower seeds and sesame seeds. Sunflower seeds and sesame seeds are high in vitamin E and zinc, which are great precursors for your body to produce its own progesterone. There is no progesterone found in any food, you know, unlike um, with estrogen, like flaxseed contains some, there is no progesterone containing foods. And so the only thing we can do is give our body sufficient nutrition for the corpium luteum to produce its own progesterone. Um, and so, and that's that. And, you know, I will say when I first heard about this method, the natural, this, this naturopath told me about it because she says, you know, that's what we were told in naturopathic school is to use the seed rotation to help women rebalance their estrogen and progesterone. And when she told me the method, I thought, what? <laughs> that's it? You know, I thought there was something more invasive that would be required. And she said, no, just try it. And I started trying it when I was still in private practice. And one woman after another started coming back and saying, I cannot believe this, but, you know, my period is back on. I have not had a period for three years. It's back on. Uh, women would say that their periods got regular. Their PMS started improving. Um, you know, older women started having like hot flashes going away, sleeping way better. I mean, the list of symptoms is just so long. I mean, improvements is so long and encouraging to today, that's one of the major tools that I'm using. Um, so like you said, there is a guide that explains exactly what to do with it. And the guide also has recipes showing you how to use these seeds. What's really important is to use fresh seeds, um, organic as much as you can. Don't buy the pre-ground stuff because they lose their um, potency. But really a super effective tool, um, something totally worth trying. I will say, you know, about 5% of women who will try it will might have a paradoxical reaction to flaxseed. So that's one of the interesting things about it is that, you know, the 95 women will, will respond beautifully. And then there's these five who will be like, you know, I'm getting actually my PMS is worse. And I'm not sure what that is attributed to, but, you know, it's just something that we want to honor about our bodies and listen and tune in and say, well, you know, maybe it's just, just not for me. And one more thing I'll just say about the seed rotation is that, you know, just just doing the seed rotation without uh, making any other changes, you know, might give you some results, but not like 100%. And so what I would really encourage our listeners is to, you know, embark on an anti-inflammatory diet, follow all the great stuff that you learn here on this on Katie's podcast, because all of that's going to be so hugely anti-inflammatory and that the seed rotation is going to just amplify the healing. Um, I have come across women who, you know, are still living off gluten, living on coffee, binging on sugar. And, you know, when they do the seed rotation and go like, well, it helps some, but not entirely. Well, it's, it's a, you know, it's like with supplements, you can take some, but then if you are living a highly inflammatory life, then um, the results are going to be only that, you know, that good. Yeah, that's such an important point. And I think you also highlighted something really vital, which is listening to your body. Like you said, 95% of people, it works great. But if you're the 5%, listen to your body. And I guess they could just substitute in more pumpkin seeds versus flaxseed if that wasn't an issue. They can absolutely doubt that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And ever since I read that tip from you, actually in researching for this podcast um, a couple weeks ago, I um, have been doing that. I've always loved to make pesto and I've been making cilantro pesto like crazy because it's in season it's delicious right now um, and I realized you can easily sub out the nuts and so you can just put in whatever nuts you want in a pesto and you can actually put broccoli sprouts in there too 
Um, and then like olive oil. So it's kind of like this super anti-inflammatory, but like really delicious pesto that goes on everything. So just a tip there. I've been obsessed with it. And I love that you bring it down to such a simple food-based solution that's really nourishing for the body as well. This podcast is brought to you by Air Doctor. Did you know that the air inside our homes can be up to 500 times as dirty as the air outside? It can be filled with harmful VOCs, allergens, bacteria, and more. I've been looking for an air filter that filters out all of these substances and is quiet and that doesn't break the bank for a long time. And the Air Doctor filter meets all my criteria. It removes almost 100% of particles from the air, including VOCs, those are things released from candles, paint, building materials, carpeting, cleaning products, hairspray, air fresheners, and more. Filters out pollen and other allergens, pet dander and animal hair, mold spores and dust mites, cigarette and cigar smoke, and viruses, germs, and bacteria. One of my favorite things about it is what they call auto mode, where the fan speed basically adjusts to the appropriate level based on the current air condition in the home. It's been really fascinating to see in our house, for instance, the filters speed up when we've cooked food at high heat or use cleaners that someone gave us that we thought were natural, but they made the air, the filter speed up. So I know air filters can be pricey, which is why I teamed up with Air Doctor to get a massive discount for listeners. You can get 50% off right now by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash go, that's G-O, forward slash air doctor, air dash doctor. So one more time, that's wellnessmama.com forward slash G-O forward slash A-I-R dash D-O-C-T-O-R to get the discount. You can also find that link in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm. This podcast is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. My kitchen is always stocked with their coffee mushroom blends, their matcha mix, and their straight mushroom drinks. Four Sigmatic has figured out how to get the benefits of mushrooms like chaga, lion's mane, cordyceps, and reishi into delicious instant drinks. My current favorite is their their adaptogen coffee blend that has Tulsi and astragalus, but I love all of their products. They have options with or without caffeine, so if you're not a caffeine person, you can find products that you'll love. Um, And I find that even their coffee blends that do contain caffeine have less than a normal cup of coffee, but don't let this fool you. I have found I get so much more focus and mental clarity from these mushroom blends than I do from regular coffee and without the jitters. The addition of the mushrooms, which are considered nootropics, meaning that they are good for the brain, makes these superfood blends more effective and much healthier than just regular old coffee. I love them with a dash of macadamia milk personally. I also love that many of their drink mixes are instant and packaged into individual servings, so they're perfect for travel or on the go. If you're listening to this, then you can get a special offer just for listeners of this podcast by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash f-o-u-r dash s-i-g-m-a-t-i-c that's wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash four dash sigmatic so you've mentioned in passing um kind of the different pillars and i love that you talked about the liver i'd love to go a little deeper on that because i think a lot of us probably undervalue how important it is to support our liver and don't really understand ways to do that. But you talk about the pillars of hormone balance being digestion, liver support, and sugar levels. So can you go a little more in depth on how you see that and how women can support those three pillars? Yeah, sure. The Just very much in a nutshell, because you know I can talk about this stuff for like two hours with you, right? Um, I use the analogy of a three-legged stool, which means that 
if you want to sit comfortably on a three-legged stool, right, all the three legs need to be in a fairly firm and good position. And this is exactly what I have found with hormonal balance is that, yeah, you can, you know, you might be, for example, experiencing thyroid issues and be doing playing around with different kinds of medications and do this supplement and that supplement. But if your foundation, that three-legged stool is not in a very good place, the results are going to be always limited or short-term, short-lived. So so this is where really the digestion, your sugar balance, liver health are so instrumental. And what I have found is that when women take care of those three things, a lot of the other things like, for example, you know, if somebody has got PCOS and doing, for example, cinnamon as, you know, an additional thing to for sugar balance control or, or, you know, whatever supplements that are blocking androgens and stuff like that are not even necessary anymore because you've taken care of the foundation and things figure themselves out. The body just recalibrates itself. And that's the beauty uh, I have found of this um, and the strength of this approach. So why is it a big deal? You know, I talked about the liver clearing a lot of the hormones. Um, what's the big deal about the uh, by, by our digestion? You know, a few things. First of all, <laughs> Uh, when we have like, a lot of digestive issues, like when you're constantly constipated, bloated, you have gas going on, believe it or not, that's considered very stressful for the body. And, you know, and so there is a cortisol release. And so when you, if you're experiencing adrenal deficiency, then you're just digging a d- d- deeper hole when you're having digestive issues. Number two, you know, the fascinating research that's just coming out now, and we're learning so much more about the microbiome, right? But the there is a specific subset of bacteria in the gut we're now finding called the astrobolum, uh, which codes for enzymes that break down those estrogens. So, Katie, who would have thought that, you know, in order to manage your fibrocystic breast or prevent breast cancer because it runs in a family... Uh, all you need to do is just bring in the good gut, you know, good bugs into your diet and take care of the of your gut bacteria, right? I mean, we we don't make these connections on a daily basis, but that's what I found is so, you know, so empowering um, when I was writing this book. Um, another thing I just mentioned about digestion because it it's that's one of my um, it's it's a very painful point I find is that. You know, the gallbladder plays a huge role um, in creating, well, the, the gallbladder stores bile. And you might know that bile is used for us to emulsify fats. So it's a little bit like a soap, right? If you want to get uh, fat or oil off your hands, you just use the soap, right? So the bile is like the soap that emulsifies a fat. And guess what? That fat is used as a precursor for all your steroid hormones. So like all that estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, they need fat, good quality fat that's metabolized for, for, you know, as fuel, as food for them to be created. And so one of the crazy things about was what I'm seeing happening is that we remove gallbladders. Doctors remove gallbladders so liberally that leaving so many women without gallbladders. And so we don't have that bile to step in and help us to metabolize fats as effectively. You can live without a gallbladder. The question is what kind of quality of life you have to be so careful with what you eat. But more importantly, what I have found is that three to six months after a gallbladder has been removed, a lot of women start having issues with hormonal imbalances and no one has ever told them to expect that. You know, they've been told that, you know, you're going to, maybe you need to add some ox bile or whatever, but um, you know, be careful with this food and that food. Don't eat nuts and don't eat fatty foods and or oil. But 
you know, not the part about the consequences of leading to estrogen. Like estrogen dominance is one of the key conditions that happens after gallbladder removal. And and so many women have, you know, after removal would have, have been diagnosed with um, thyroid nodules and thyroid cancers and the list goes on. So it's something that's, that I'm really passionate about. So just to create the awareness that, you know, it's not like these body systems are all connected with each other. And we have to honor and respect that and really work hard on maintaining them and not be so liberal in removing them, which, you know, funny enough, is always the man who <laughs> most of the time is the man who are the doctors who are like, what, what hormonal imbalance, gallbladder, hormonal imbalance, nothing to do with each other. Um, so that's that. And, you know, in the sugar balance, I mean, needless to say, your you know, insulin is a hormone. We don't realize that, but it is produced in the pancreas and it's part of our whole hormonal balance. And it can be completely thrown off when you have blood sugar imbalances going on. So like, for example, when you go into a state of hypoglycemia, when you're feeling shaky, unfocused, in a very bad mood, uh, when you're hungry, that's a sign of hypoglycemia, which not only does it exhaust your adrenals, um, it can throw your thyroid out of balance. And it's just, you know, it's a whole cascade of, biochemical processes that happens. So so there you have it, you know, take care of those three legs of this tool. And I can tell you that so many incredible symptoms, like so many annoying symptoms that we've been living with for years would just vanish. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that, that the body naturally wants to move to a state of balance and health. And so if you support the body, it'll kind of naturally, in most cases, try to move in that direction. And I think that's what's the beauty of food. I know we're both biased there because that's our background, but I think there's true wisdom there. And I'd love to go through a little bit more just kind of um, if there's any more touch points you have for specific conditions and then um, wrap up by talking a little bit more about the seed rotation guide so people can find that. Um, but your own journey was with thyroid. So are there any other food specific changes you would recommend someone make if they're dealing with a thyroid problem? Yeah. So, you know, I would say the first thing to consider is the fact that um, when you have thyroid conditions, the first thing that um, to consider is the fact that it's Hashimoto's disease most of the time, which is an autoimmune disease. So really, when you have Hashimoto's, um, it's not really the thyroid that needs the support directly, but it's really your immune system. And, and that all of that starts and ends with the gut, really. Um, so I would say, you know, a big thing is I'm a big fan of doing a full and complete elimination diet. And that's a big part of my book. Um, and that's the reason why all the recipes are in the book are free of gluten, dairy, soy, corn. They're also free of nitrate vegetables and are very low in sugar. Um, and I created that so that we create that sort of a very anti-inflammatory environment um, in our body through diet but also learn to incorporate like these amazing foods. And so, you know, I'm a big fan of obviously bone broths, um, but the bone broths, you know, that like that I have in the book is also add special additional herbs, like for example, astragalus, which is a Chinese herb that helps to support the immune system. So a, a wonderful addition when you have Hashimoto's disease. You know, another thing I would I would say for Hashimoto's patients, a lot of women I find have a very low stomach acid. And, you know, all the vitamins like B12 and iron and our magnesium, calcium, all of them are so important for us to not just for the thyroid to function properly, but even if you are like on thyroid medication, the conversion from T4 hormone to T3 has to happen when you have sufficient amount of D3 and zinc 
you know, and um, and iron, right? And the interesting thing is that so many women with autoimmune diseases have a low stomach acid. When you have a low stomach acid, then you're not absorbing uh, the maximum nutrients from the food you're taking, you you know, you're eating, but also from the supplements you're taking. So it's a little bit that all of that becomes a bit of an expensive pee with mediocre results, right? Yeah, so you know those are those are some of my absolute favorites. Um, you want you were asking about Hashimoto specifically, right? Yeah, just I feel like that's one I get quite a few questions about. So I love that you had some specific guidance just for that. And you know, also I mean, the let's not forget that the um, the flaxseed we talked about that's an an amazing addition as well because. Uh, here's a connection. I mean, all hormones are so hugely connected, but let me just give you one example of the connection between estrogen dominance and, and thyroid. Estrogen dominance causes um, the decrease of uh, the um, thyroid binding, sorry, the increase of thyroid binding globulin, which means that the globulin becomes so high that it binds too much of a thyroid and then you don't have sufficient thyroid. So even if you're taking thyroid medication or if your thyroid is producing its own thyroid medication, uh, thyroid um, hormone, when you have estrogen dominance, a lot of that thyroid hormone gets bound and not much of it is available for your cells to utilize. So again, this is where flaxseed, you know, indirectly comes in as super helpful. Um, and not to mention the fact that, you know, when you're doing just two, two tablespoons of these seeds every, every day, you're also bringing in this amazing quality of fiber and, you know, and constipation is one of the things you do not want to have when you have any form of hormone imbalance, including Hashimoto's, because bowels that are not moving, all of these toxins re-enter, um, re-enter the bloodstream through the colon, right? Because they have to go somewhere. And um, so, you know, who would have thought, right, that having a really good bowel movement will be uh, super helpful to rebalancing your hormones. And I love Flexi for that because it's like the... Uh, the insoluble fiber in it sweeps the colon like a sweep, you know, it literally sweeps the colon. And so you evacuate much better that way. Such good advice. And another one that I get questions about quite a lot, I'm going to kind of lump them together, but um, we talked a little bit about PCOS and estrogen dominance and the connection there. Uh, are there any other specific pieces of advice for someone struggling with either of those? Yeah. So that's another thing that happens is, um, yeah, absolutely. So what, you know, PCOS, the first thing we want, really want to take care of is rebalance our sugar levels. That's the, that, that's something that I have found um, to be incredibly effective. Um, and, you know, and just the, the little backstory here is that when you have high blood sugar levels, it basically what happens is the sex binding globulin uh, goes up. And again, it binds up um, a lot of the, sorry, it goes down. And so it, what happens is you've got too much testosterone floating around in your uh, blood. And that's what causes a lot of the side effects that the symptoms we talked about, like facial hair, and um, it causes the growth of the um, cyst in the ovaries. So, you know, one of the my absolute favorite things to do is to start off with a really solid breakfast that does not include things like a muffin and a cup of coffee uh, first thing in the morning. You can have that, but maybe later in the day. Um, really start off with what I call the PFF kind of breakfast, protein, fat, and fiber-rich uh, breakfast. You know, Katie, you probably picked it up from my intro, and we talked about that before, that I, I grew up around the world. I actually, I lived in seven different countries. I've traveled to over 40 different countries. And one of the big things I realized on my travels, whenever I go to, you know, what we like to call developing countries, uh, meaning those ones that have not been 
that affected yet by Western way of eating, everybody eats a truly savory breakfast. So whether you go to Ethiopia or you go to Peru or but even, you know, countries like Japan or China, for that matter, right, which are developed countries, um, it's always savory food that's served for breakfast, never sugary desserts the way we start off uh, the day. And that's going to make one of the biggest and most profound differences in your day when you have um, like, you know, a breakfast, just to give you an example here of a recipe, one of the most popular recipes in my community is called the farmer's wife's breakfast. And really what it is, it's a bed of greens, such as arugula, mizuna, or, you know, or steamed, any cruciferous vegetables that could be a great start. So you start off with a bed of greens and then adding on, um, a f- you know, half an avocado, right? So you're getting the fats in. Um, have a piece of protein. It could be from the night before. I'll make a batch of like lamb patties that are that come with um, fennel seeds and cumin, wonderful spices for improving digestion. And maybe on the side, have a bit of sauerkraut as well, right? To bring in, in those, those probiotics that we talked about that's going to help you with estrogen dominance. And so a breakfast like that is a bit of a reframe, especially if somebody is used to doing, you know, cereals and milk for, for breakfast. Um, but you know, your body's going to respond to it so beautifully. And I cannot tell you what a hit it has been always with my community, women who change, um, to this kind of a breakfast experience. First of all, no crashes at 11 o'clock, no sugar, um, you know, dips, uh, where you need coffee or sugar to pick me up, right. Or a piece of muffin, um, energy is so much more stable throughout distributed throughout the day. And you are not hungry until lunch and sometimes even beyond. And the most fascinating thing is that uh, a lot of women also experience significantly better sleep. So what I have found is that when you change your breakfast this way, your your desire for processed carbohydrates and, you know, and sugar, right, is significantly reduced because you do not have those sugar dips anymore. So really powerful tool. Yeah, such good advice. And I have, in the same way as you, I definitely um, do a savory breakfast and our, my kids do too. They've learned how to make it. And once you make the switch, it's so easy. We just do a huge skillet of like all kinds of different vegetables and some kind of protein in there and olive oil and avocado on top. And usually like that pesto because I'm obsessed with pesto, especially in the spring. But um, it really, you don't miss it once you make the switch and you're so much more satisfied the whole day than just cereal. Another one that I don't know if you delved specifically into this, but I'm sure you probably have some advice is for people with postpartum depression. I hear from a lot of moms who are struggling through that. And I'm curious if you have anything that might help them specifically. Yeah. So that's a really good, that's a really, such an important question, right? Um, yeah. So postpartum, a lot of the time is, is it's a combination of things. It can be low progesterone. So you're having very high progesterone while while having a baby, and then your progesterone is going to drop um, very quickly upon delivery. And for a lot of women, that progesterone doesn't come back up um, that quickly, right? So so that's the first option. The second possibility is that it's a thyroid issue. So if it's a thyroid, and as you know, a lot of women are having uh, developed Hashimoto's within six months to one year after postpartum, right? And that's um, that's a lot to do with the hormones dropping and, and the, sh- the shock to the body, right? So when it comes to low progesterone, I would say that doing the protocol for um, the seed rotation or anything, if you just look at foods that are high in vitamin E and zinc, uh, is super helpful. You know, I know that uh, oysters is not a favorite thing for everyone, but 
that do contain zinc. Uh, so if you nutritionally want to fix it, having zinc and adding those the sesame seeds and uh, sunflower seeds ground can be can be um, just a wonderful addition. Overall, you know, one of the things is that is having a really anti-inflammatory diet. So getting rid of all the food triggers, which would be a lot of the times your comfort foods, right? The glutens and dairies and um, reducing sugar as much as possible um, will be, you know, what, what I have seen um, is really gives a lot of improvement right away. Awesome. I'm a fan. I uh, probably will never have postpartum depression in that case because I love oysters. I would eat them daily. But as we get toward the end, I'd love to, can you just walk us through, um, you have a seed rotation guide that you're giving to the listeners. And again, that link is wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash seed guide. And the link will also be in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm. But explain um, what that is. And so people can find that and kind of get started right away. Yeah, so the seed rotation guide shows you how to get started with the seeds um, from the first part of your cycle. So day one, if you pair it, uh, we want to boost the estrogen levels. And then around your ovulation, which is mid-cycle, you switch over to um, to um, estrogen-boosting seeds. Sorry, progesterone-boosting seeds, which is sesame seeds and sunflower seeds. Uh, that's basically the premise of it. And you know, for somebody who's got, let's say, very irregular periods, um, just start off on day one when you get your period, even with just spotting, um, treat that as the first day of your period and start off with uh, the estrogen uh, boosting seed, which, which is your flax seed and uh, pumpkin seeds. And, you know, and over time, I mean, I have found that when you do the cycling of seeds for about two to three months, um, in, significant improvements happen. A lot of times women ask, should I do this forever? It really depends on your body. Some, you know, for some, some women, the body recalibrates itself and that's not necessary. And others, um, will probably benefit a lot, maybe not every day, but every other day doing the seats could, um, just take away a lot of the symptoms right away. Wonderful. This has been so much fun. I think I could talk to you all day. And I know that you have probably helped a lot of women who are listening today. And I know you're busy as well. So thank you for your time and being here and for sharing your wisdom. And of course, there will also be links so that everyone can find you. But your book is Cooking for Hormone Balance, and that's available everywhere books are sold. So if you um, want to learn more and you're listening, go find it on Amazon or any bookstore should have it. Um, but Magdalena, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And Katie, you're phenomenal. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening. And I hope to see you next time on the Healthy Moms podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time. And thanks as always for listening.